Humane Nature is an animal tourism podcast with discussions of animal abuse, injury, and medicine. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Humane Nature. I am your host, Stacia. And if you can't tell by the beginning of this, my microphone is giving out and I am in the process of getting a new one. So instead of releasing a whole new episode today, because the audio quality of my recording is just not there, I am giving y'all a bonus episode that I recorded for my patrons a few months back. I do want to make a quick note in this recording. I do say that COVID-19 was spread by bats. At the time, that was the theory, but now they are unsure. So go ahead and disregard that as there is some more research being done on that at this moment. So go ahead and enjoy this and hopefully we will be back to our new episodes in a couple of weeks. Hello, hello, travelers. Welcome to your very first bonus episode for my incredible patrons. Thank you guys so much for supporting me. And I will never be able to tell you how much I appreciate it. And I really hope you enjoy your first bonus episode. So today we will be discussing tourism in Costa Rica centered around snuggling with and taking selfies with sloths. Costa Rica does have two species of of sloth the brown-throated three-toed sloth, and the Hoffman's two-toed sloth. And uh, they are a little bit different. The Hoffman's two-toed sloth is nocturnal and more difficult to spot. It is a little lighter in color and has only two toes on its front paws. The brown-throated three-toed sloth is much more common and is much more active. This is the sloth you will see more often around Costa Rica and in these tourism vectors. And what you probably picture when you hear the, the name sloth, it is it, it is what m- looks more like like the kind of cartoons that you'll see on like socks and t-shirts and things depicting sloths. Is um, they look more like the brown-throated three-toed sloth. They are slightly smaller, darker in color, and they have three toes instead of two toes on its front paws. So let's talk a little bit about selfie tourism. Holding sloths in Costa Rica is part of selfie tourism that is rampant through Latin America and Asia. So it is not only sloths, it is lots of other animals. I'm sure you heard um, my episode about the lions about the connection between selfies with lions walking with lions and then canned lion hunting so that is another example of selfie tourism some people argue that selfie tourism helps raise funds and increases donations to rescues and sanctuaries however there is ample scientific evidence that the bad outweighs the benefits to selfie tourism and in costa rica it is highly illegal (laughs) and it really should be illegal everywhere but Costa Rica has made it illegal to take these selfies with sloths so if you find yourself doing it or somebody else doing it maybe one of your friends on posted a picture on Instagram or you see a some pop-up some 
rescue whatever in Costa Rica offering these selfies, it is highly illegal and it should be reported and avoided. <laughs> so let's talk about sloth tourism. Costa Rica is home to 5% of the world's biodiversity, and sloths are one of the country's most popular species. Hundreds of sloths are taken from the wild every year for use in tourism, the illegal pet trade, and illegal hunting. So, yes, people do have sloths as pets. It is illegal in Costa Rica, and um, it is illegal to take them from the wild in Costa Rica as well. The actual numbers of sloths taken from the wild, not just in Costa Rica, but in all the Central American and South American countries that they live, are unknown. Many sloths used in tourism have been, big air quotes here, rescued, <laughs> and really they've been taken from the wild. They tell tourists that they've been rescued, but they're being used to get tourist dollars. Like most wildlife and animal tourism destinations, most people who are visiting sloth, snuggle, and selfie establishments are really unaware of the negative impacts they are contributing. So most of these tourists visit because they do love animals and they don't understand that what they're doing is, is harmful. So say it with me, guys. Don't be that asshole. <laughs> don't be that asshole to scream and yell and point fingers at these people if they don't know any better and don't be that asshole who does it anyway when you do know better don't be that asshole although human wildlife direct interaction has been illegal in costa rica for more than a decade costa rica was rated seventh in the world in 2017 for cruel animal selfies so even though it's illegal it's very hard to catch them and it's still going on. So if you see it, please report it. It is illegal to touch and feed wildlife in Costa Rica, period. So let's take a minute and talk about the sloths. So sloths are arboreal, which means they live in trees. They do require bodily support when being handled. In the wild, they would never dangle solely by their claws. Their bodies would be supported by the trunk and the branches of the tree they are on. Remember that. They have a permanent smile on their face, like dolphins do, and tourists often anthropomorphize this as a happy expression, even though it is just their face. It is like the opposite of resting bitch face. It is always happy face that sloths and dolphins have. Sloths move extremely slowly. We all know this. But because they move so, so slowly, their stressed behavior responses can be really difficult to spot if you are untrained. So I'm going to put another trigger warning here. Um, I am going to talk about an experience I had with a sloth at, the ER, uh, at one of the ERs that I used to work at. So if you don't want to hear about the sloth in the ER, um, it's a little graphic. You just skip forward a couple of minutes and he'll be okay. So, I did have a sloth patient once in an ER that I worked at. This ER, I was working with a veterinary neurologist, and the sloth was experiencing seizures. And 
the sloth came in and I mean, it looked kind of crappy. It was (laughs) obviously not feeling very well. Still had that smile on his face because that's his face. And we had him kind of on the observation table. We were giving him like a physical exam and he starts moving really weird. And we're all kind of like looking at each other and we're like, oh my gosh, this is a sloth seizure. So imagine like what a seizure looks like in a person. They're kind of like moving uncontrollably, thrashing around whatever they have no control. And it's usually pretty quick. Like their movements are very fast. Now that same thing is happening, but divide the speed by like 10. (laughs) So the sloth was making these seizure motions, but moving extremely slowly, so slowly that it took us longer than it should to realize that he was having a seizure because it just looked so different from every other animal we've ever seen come in with seizures. Okay, (laughs) that's over. So let's talk about the physical effects of these like snuggle and selfie establishments on sloths. A study done in Brazil and Peru on brown-throated three-toed sloths showed that the sloths in these tourism areas were wild-caught. The sloths were held on average by five people per tour, and the tours lasted between 45 minutes and an hour and a half. They were frequently exposed to physical manipulation of their head, limbs, and claws, so people were moving them around so that they can maybe be facing the camera or holding on to them differently. And they were frequently held by just their claws. So here it is again. They would never hang from a tree by just their claws. Think of how dangerous that would be for them if they fell. They need a lot of support for them to feel safe, for them to feel comfortable, and for them to avoid injury. Please note that this study was not conducted in Costa Rica, though the brown-throated three-toed sloth is one of the two species in Costa Rica. I couldn't find a lot of these studies done in Costa Rica specifically. I mean, there's probably a lot more of these places in Brazil and Peru. So a lot of these studies that I read up on were the same species of sloths. They were just studied in different countries. So maybe take it with a small grain of salt, but overall these behaviors are going to be very, very similar, if not the same. You're loving hearing about animal tourism, but sometimes you want to know what sorts of strange and beautiful animals are around in people's homes. I host Fauna Paradigm, which is a podcast about exotic and less usual pets and other beloved animals, any kind of animal that is loved and needs a specialist vet. If you have anything, not a cat or a dog, you know what I'm talking about here. I count it as an exotic pet. Look up Fauna Paradigm and join me on the education and cute story journey. It should even come up when you just type in fauna, so you don't even need to spell paradigm. Do you have an awesome podcast idea, but aren't sure where to start? I personally use Buzzsprout to host my podcast because it's easy and affordable. Perfect for a new podcaster. They help me list all of my episodes across podcast platforms, provide detailed analytics on how my podcasts are doing, and provide expert support when I need it. Host your podcast on Buzzsprout today and earn a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid subscription. Podcasting doesn't have to be hard. 
Join Buzzsprout today using the link in the description. So, behavioral effects on these sloths in these situations. In the same study, sloth behavior was also analyzed during these sloth holding tours. The sloths would frequently kind of stretch out their limbs, which is a stress response. They would also engage in the act of surveillance. This is kind of them, if you've ever seen a baby, <laughs> like a human baby, in a room and they're just like kind of wide-eyed, looking at everything, gathering in all that information. Sloths do this too. However, they naturally do this in the wild, but a study, a different study showed that brown-throated three-toed sloths engage in surveillance five times more frequently in snuggle sloth tourism versus in the wild. This behavior occurs naturally when they suspect a danger or predator nearby. So it indicates that they are feeling stress and fear. And the fact that they are engaging in this behavior pretty constantly when they're being held by these tourists means that they're afraid. They're stressed. They're afraid. They think they're going to be eaten, killed, injured, and just not a good situation. Sleep and rest periods decreased from 50 per, sorry, 56% of their time in the wild to under 2% in these snuggle scenarios. So in the wild, they sleep and rest 56% of their day. They need these rest periods because their metabolism is so slow. They have so little energy. That is part of the reason why they move so slowly. They need these rest periods to stay healthy. And the fact that it dropped from 56% to under 2% is extremely worrisome to me. Another study conducted by the World Animal Protection in 2017 in Colombia and Brazil. So again, not Costa Rica. But they compared sloth behavior in no-contact rehabilitation centers to sloth selfie destinations. So these, none of these sloths were wild. So that is something to note here. However, some of the sloths were in these no-contact rehab centers, and some of these sloths were in the sloth selfie cuddle uh, tourist destinations. Sloths in the tourism industry were more vigilant and showed signs of immense stress and fear. So they were limb stretching, which I will talk about in just a second. Um, they were doing that really intensive surveillance behavior, and they were showing a lot, a lot of these signs of, of being in extreme fear, extreme anxiety, extreme stress. So, okay, have you seen those sloth selfies? where the sloth's arms are held up almost as if they're like waving hello, like kind of like in a, like a touchdown position in football. That's an extreme stress response in sloths. As cute as it looks to us, to the untrained eye, it is a stress response. Now, now that you know that, look through YouTube and Instagram at sloth videos and, and photos. How many of them have their limbs outstretched in that way? As if they're like reaching out to give you a hug, as if they're like screaming touchdown at a football game on TV, as if they're waving hello. They're not. They're limb stretching. And it is like that and surveillance are the two biggest signs of extreme stress in slots. And I will post a picture of this 
for you guys to see. I'm going to blur out any faces in the photo um, so that you guys can see what this looks like. Okay, let's talk about injury and zoonotic diseases in these in these areas and with sloths. So, snuggle and selfie interactions with sloths can be dangerous for tourists as well. Sloths have extremely sharp teeth and claws, and they will use them when they feel threatened. And when they feel threatened, they move faster than you would think. Still not fast, but fast enough to hurt you. These claws are four inches long and are typically used to hang on to trees, to like dig into tree bark and hang on branches. They're strong and they are sharp and they can do some damage. There have been very, very, very few studies done on zoonotic diseases, disease transfer in sloths to humans. And remember, zoonotic diseases are diseases that can be spread from person to animal or animal to person or both. Though, we can expect the risk of zoonotic disease transfer to increase as we continue to encroach on their land and handle them closely. We see this time after time after time as these zoonotic diseases break out. And again, I've mentioned this before, COVID-19 was a zoonotic disease that transferred from bats to people as we were interacting with them too closely. We often don't know the real risk of zoonotic disease transfer until a disease breaks out, which is really scary. So we should really just leave wildlife alone. <laughs> there have been even fewer studies done on diseases sloths can catch from humans. So most of these diseases, fo or diseases, most of these studies have focused on how sloths can hurt us in terms of disease transfer. But I found like no, nothing, no studies done focusing on things that sloths can catch from people. And we can assume that the list is similar if these go back and forth, but there may be some other infections, diseases, whatever, that sloths can catch from people and they're just so we're just so used to them that we're just carriers for these diseases and we don't experience these these diseases as much. Sloths are also hosts to multiple zoonotic parasites such as coccidia, tapeworms, ticks, scabies, leishmaniasis, I believe I'm saying that right, which is a flesh-eating parasite, E. coli, various fungi, and diseases such as leprosy and arbovirus. And these are all things that we can catch. <laughs> there have been outbreaks of Q fever in towns in Panama that was carried by sloths. Um, it is unknown if the outbreaks were caused by sloths, but this is a disease that is carried by sloths. Bordetella, though extremely rare in humans, can be transmitted to sloths if the bacteria is on a tourist's hands or clothes. And if Bordetella sounds familiar to you, this is a disease that we mostly find in dogs. And if you have a dog, you are probably getting your dog vaccinated. I'm hoping you're getting your dog vaccinated for Bordetella at least once a year. If your dog goes to like doggy daycare or gets boarded frequently, it could be every six months because this disease is so 
contagious. And in dogs, it's usually not like deadly. It's usually just like a really bad cold kind of thing with a with a kind of like a honking cough is what we see in dogs. But <laughs> it can be very deadly in sloths as they don't have the ability to fight up upper respiratory infections as well as we can or as well as dogs can. So if you've been handling dogs or another animal that could have had Bordetella, you could be carrying that bacteria. It could be on your hands, it could be on your clothes, and then you're holding and handling the sloth, and then you could pass it that way. Likewise, a species of E. coli that does not cause disease in humans, but does in sloths, can be transferred the same way. It is far more likely for us to transmit a deadly disease to a sloth than for a sloth to kill a human, but they should be protected. Upper respiratory infections and parasites are the most common in sloths, but they are also deadly in sloths, especially the upper respiratory infections. In a study, some sloths caught diseases and died within three weeks of being caught from the wild and put in captivity. It's also important to remember that high levels of stress also increases risk of illness as it decreases the ability of the immune system to function properly. So if you are ever, if you've ever been really stressed for a long period of time and you feel like you have a constant cold or flu during that time, it is because in most mammals, maybe even all mammals, but I don't want to say all, (laughs) most mammals, if you are in a very high state of stress, you are much more susceptible to getting sick. I know in my own personal experience, when I was in high school, every time I had like a really big term paper or like just really big assignment due, the day that it was due, I was almost always homesick and I had, um, I either turned it in virtually or I had a friend come pick it up because I was just so stressed out that I caught a cold, caught the flu, whatever. So sloths, if they're showing these extreme signs of stress in their behavior by being held by all of these, all these tourists, they're far more likely to catch a disease in captivity in that way than they are in the wild. Lastly, this is kind of gross, sloths frequently urinate on themselves and are pretty much constantly covered in urine, fungi, and insects. And we will kind of talk about this really, really cool relationship between sloths, fungi, and various types of insects a little bit later. But yet they're not the cleanest animals and uh, probably shouldn't be touching them because honestly, as adorable as they are, they're kind of nasty. (laughs) And real quickly, I do want to talk about uh, sloth reintroduction and the problems that we have faced with sloth reintroduction into the wild. So there have been really big, they're really big rescues, like actual rescues for sloths because they are victims of like being hit by cars, being attacked by dogs, being electrocuted um, because they try to travel across power lines, um, things like that. So they're constantly really like being injured and taking taken into these these shelters, these, you know, rehab centers, and then trying to be reintroduced later. So this reintroduction of rescued and rehabilitated sloths has its own issues. 
Population fragmentation has caused genetic dispersal to be extremely limited in wild sloths. This can result in inbreeding, increased health issues, increased susceptibility to diseases. A study in 2020, so very recently, showed that reintroduction of rescued sloths rarely, if ever, checked genetic diversity of the population before releasing a rescued sloth. So you could be further damaging a the total genetic diversity of a population of sloths by choosing poorly where to release a rescued sloth, especially if you don't know where that sloth came from to begin with. There's also an issue with disease transfer with sloth reintroduction. So if a sloth who has been in captivity does not have the same immune system as its new population, we could be putting that individual in danger of catching something that this group is already immune to. However, we could also be putting that local population at risk if they are not immune to something that this new sloth is a carrier for. So this new sloth could be a carrier for a disease or a parasite that this other population has not really been like has not really dealt with in the past. And this whole population could be wiped out just because we didn't properly do our due diligence in our research before reintroducing the sloth. Sloths are separated by physical barriers as well as their inability to travel long distances. So there are multiple reasons for this population fragmentation. They're kind of, we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. Do we aid their gene pool by moving individuals to different populations to help their genetic diversity improve and potentially save them from devastating disease outbreaks in the future or the negative effects of inbreeding? Or is the risk of disease spread from population to population too great because they've been separated for so long? So there's a lot to think about here. Physical barriers between these populations can be rather small due to small-scale deforestation, due to maybe even just building a road with a lack of trees in between, because sloths move so little. So how can we help? Visit only true sanctuaries that promote sloth conservation. There are a few ethical sanctuaries in Costa Rica. The most popular is the Sloth Sanctuary. It's literally called the Sloth Sanctuary. This sanctuary used to allow tourists to hold sloths, but stopped the practice in 2014 after new evidence suggested it was harmful. However, I did see an article as recently as 2019 that showed tourists directly interacting with the sloths. I will link this in the description below. This article was through Insider. As... I also saw Reddit commenters saying that staff at the sloth sanctuary will allow you to touch the sloths for tip money. So although it is the sanctuary's rules that sloths are not to be touched, are not to be held, it seems like they are breaking these rules. So be very, very careful. Don't participate if you are offered and report it if you see it because it's really, really bad if they are, if they are in fact doing this. 
Avoid any destinations that label themselves as sanctuaries or rescues, but do allow physical contact or feeding of sloths. Remember, feeding wildlife is also illegal in Costa Rica and is highly harmful overall. Report any fake sanctuaries, rescues, or zoos and leave reviews to alert other travelers. So report this to authorities in the Costa Rican government because they will go in and fix the situation. There are currently no AZA-accredited zoos in Costa Rica, so keep that in mind. There are many illegal roadside zoo attractions that exist in Costa Rica and in the United States with sloths. The Costa Rican government launched a hashtag Stop Animal Selfies campaign to crack down on the practice, and I'll also include a link to join the campaign in the description. Um, You can post a picture on Instagram. Part of their campaign is to post a picture on Instagram taking a selfie with a stuffed animal with a hashtag Stop Animal Selfies to kind of bring awareness that we should not be taking selfies with wildlife and, you know maybe only do it at a distance. You can take a selfie of yourself with an animal in the background, but don't take a selfie with the animal. Just like all of you lovely listeners, I love listening to podcasts, but it's the absolute worst feeling in the world when you run out of new episodes. When I run out of episodes of my favorite podcasts, I love listening to audiobooks. Audible is the best app for finding audiobooks. They have over 200,000 listings, including classics and new releases. I especially love Audible when I'm traveling and need something lengthy to listen to while disconnected from Wi-Fi. Try Audible for free today and claim a free audiobook at audibletrial.com humane. That's audibletrial.com humane or using the link in the description. As a budget traveler, finding affordable yet safe accommodation while traveling can be daunting. There have literally been horror movies made about bad hostels and hotels. I always use Hostel World to book my hostels around the world. With over 36,000 listed hostels in 180 countries around the world and 13 million verified reviews, I can trust that whatever room I book through Hostel World will be clean, affordable, and most importantly, safe. Book your first hostel with Hostel World using the link in the description. So in conclusion, it is highly unethical to hold wild sloths in Costa Rica or really any sloths anywhere. It is also illegal in Costa Rica to own a wild animal as a pet. So if somebody says that the sloth is their pet, it's okay for you to hold them. No, bad. Don't fall for it. Report it. It is illegal. Be very careful. It appears that even some of these quote-unquote ethical sanctuaries have some pretty shady staff members who break their own rules for extra tip money from tourists. I cannot say that I've seen it for myself. I have not visited Costa Rica yet, but I do plan on visiting in the next couple of years or so. And I do want to go to this sloth sanctuary. So I will let you guys know um, what I see if I see any, any of this shady activity going on. Always, always remember the six foot rule. It's not just for COVID. This includes items such as selfie sticks. So even if you are six feet away, 
If you're getting up in the face of a sloth up in a tree with a selfie stick, you are no longer six feet away from that sloth. All parts of you and your camera and anything you are holding needs to be six feet away from that sloth. So this includes that viral photo of uh, the guy taking a selfie with the selfie stick of the sloth up in a tree and then like kind of down. I'm looking down on him. That that's that's a big no no. Don't do that. Sloths repopulate very slowly, so we want to make sure that they don't reach the endangered state. Right now, they are listed as least concern. For the most part, there are a couple of species that are endangered, but the two species in Costa Rica are listed 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 as least concern. However, because they repopulate very slowly, it may be impossible to increase their numbers in the wild enough to save them by the time they get to the endangered state. So their numbers are dropping, but not fast enough for really anything to have been done by now. Keep wild sloths wild and focus on rehabilitation. Sloths cannot be rehabilitated if they are frequently being handled. And this is the same for nearly any wild animal out there. If they are being frequently handled, fed, whatever, by human beings, even if they are trained, or I don't even want to say trained, even if they are people who are trying to rehabilitate it, if they are overhandling it, that sloth is no longer able to live in the wild successfully. The more that they are handled, the more they are hand-fed by people, and the more they, the longer they are in captivity the lower their chances of surviving in the wild drop. So, not a good thing. Again, as I have not visited Costa Rica yet, I cannot give any personal recommendations on where to visit. I will update, maybe make a zoo review or a destination highlight when I visit and hopefully find an ethical sanctuary. I do want to end this by saying thank, special thanks to uh, Dr. Audrey Rupel for sending me her and Dr. Levi Smith's study on infectious agents and slots. It was one of the few peer-reviewed studies that I was able to find online about diseases and slots in general. And it was blocked by a paywall. <laughs> so I reached out to Dr. Rupel and uh, she very kindly sent me over their study and gave me her, her well wishes and permission to use it. So thank you so much, Dr. Rupel and Dr. Smith. And we will end this episode with some sloth fun facts as we do. They're really cute animals. I really like them. I know a lot of people are really obsessed with sloths right now. So let's talk about some sloths. They are foliivores which means they only eat leaves in tree canopies. So they're like niche herbivores. (laughs) They can feed from more than 50 plant species, but they prefer the young leaves of trees. Digestion, just like the rest of the sloth's movement, is extremely slow. So they climb down from the tree once a week to defecate. So they only poop once a week and they don't do it in the tree. They climb down the tree and they do it on the ground. It can take up to two weeks to digest a single meal. Sloths move so slowly that algae grows on them, making them appear almost green. This aids in camouflage, so it helps them blend in with their environment, and it also creates a uh, mutualistic relationship. So the sloth's coarse hair has really deep grooves in it that the algae colonize in, 
Moths also live in sloth's fur and provide extra nutrients the algae needs to grow. When the sloths climb down the trees to defecate, they transport the moths to piles of sloth, sloth, sloth dung <laughs> where they lay their eggs. The algae also provides protection to the sloths in the forms of camouflage as well as a food source. So we've come full circle. Sloths provide a place for the algae to grow. Moths hide in the algae and provide nutrients to the algae to grow. And they hide in the sloth's fur. So they provide these uh, moths a place to live. Then they also transport the moths down to poop where they lay their eggs. So these moths have evolved to lay their eggs in sloth poop. And then this algae also helps feed and protect the sloth. So very mutualistic for all involved. So sloths only move up to 40 meters or 130 feet a day. This is about the length of two tennis courts, and this is up to that mo that length. So they usually move less than that. So if you can jog the length of two tennis courts uh, long ways, like, you know, hot dog, not hamburger ways, <laughs> that's like kind of the most that they really move throughout the day. So they really kind of stick to their small little areas. Brown-throated three-toed sloths are typically more active at day than at night but are considered diurnal. Diurnal means they are most active at dawn and dusk. The Hoffman's two-toed sloth is nocturnal. Their biggest threats are deforestation, leading to habitat loss and population fragmentation in Costa Rica. So those are their two biggest threats in Costa Rica. Their biggest threat in, also their biggest threat in Colombia and Brazil. But sloths do live in a very wide range of, of areas. Overall, they are still listed as least concerned, but we need to protect them so that they stay at least concerned and don't get into that endangered territory. The maned sloth in Brazil and pygmy sloth in Panama are endangered. Their home ranges, these two sloths, so the brown-throated three-toed sloth, they range from Honduras in the north through Central America and South America and Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Venezuela, and Brazil. So they are very, very widespread and very common. The brown-throated three-toed sloth has about one baby every 19 months, depending on its geographic region and time of year. So they usually have a baby in the spring. Babies are dependent on the mother and cling to the belly for the first 100 days of life. And shockingly, sloths are very strong swimmers. I will try to find a video clip of a sloth swimming for you guys. It is really, really funny to see. In order to conserve energy, sloths have a reduced ability to maintain body temperature. Like, so... Most other mammals can maintain their body temperature pretty easily, pretty automatically. So sloths need to live where the weather is warm and relatively stable year-round, which is why they kind of stick to Central and Northern South America. You could find sloths on Costa Rica's local currency, which are the colones. They have a quarter of the muscle mass of other animals their size. So they're kind of, kind of, kind of shrimpy, kind of wimpy, but... We love them. Wild sloths typically live 12 to 20 years, 
And finally, sloths spend about 90% of their lives upside down and even give birth upside down. So super unique animals and we love them. All right, that is all I have for you guys today. Um, Remember, I will put the hashtag stop animal selfies uh, campaign in the description. You can find all the pictures. This is the Patreon episode, so it'll be right where you are clicking to listen to the episode. Um, And I will probably post on Instagram as well, so um, you can catch it over there. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. All right. Thanks for joining me today. I apologize to my patrons that this was kind of a repeat episode for you, but it is what it is. My mic is out. If you want to support me and support the show, you can do so through my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash humane nature pod, or go into the link in my description. Any little bit helps. Um, podcast microphones aren't cheap, but I really enjoy doing this. And I have received so many wonderful messages from my listeners. And I know we have kind of a small little family of people listening to this podcast as of right now, but I'm hoping that we will grow with time and spread some of this good news out a little bit more. So you can give me a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stumble Safari, which is my blog and kind of brand name. And uh, also follow me on TikTok because I'm beginning to be more active on there. Make sure to hit that follow button wherever you are listening to this as it will alert you whenever a new episode comes out. And uh, go ahead and give me a five-star review. I would really appreciate it. And that helps push out this podcast and recommend it to other people who listen to other kind of science or animal-based podcasts. So I will hear you next time.